You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and uh, today it's raining outside, uh, which uh, doesn't timestamp it. It just means it's there's weather. Mm-hmm. But at least it's not freezing anymore. Yeah, you're correct. It is we not got freezing anymore. Two temperate days in a row where I didn't have to wear a coat. That's oh, true. Congrats. So let's keep it up. In uh, typical Chicago fashion, it was 82 one day and 45 the next day. <laughs> that is true. Uh, how's everyone doing, Jeff? Good. Just last... in shorts at long last. You are in shorts. That's I'm right. I'm in shorts a lot of the time. Yeah. How do you feel? Often about inappropriately. It? Mm-hmm. Well, you're in shorts. Matt's in capris. I'm in shorts. Ken's in pants. So it's like we got the, the full spectrum yeah. of clothes wearing there. <laughs> Of leg coverage, which is exactly what people come to this podcast for, Neil. Our fashion shows? No, we, we try to show leg, but no one can ever see it. Mm-hmm. But it's anyway. It's an audio medium. It is an audio medium. Uh, Jeff, you recently hosted a game. I we did. Thought, we thought it went well. It was Good. pretty. It wasn't a, you know. A Who's we? Who thought wasn't that? wasn't a disaster like usual, Jeff. <laughs> Good range, good mix of questions. Score was minus 30 to minus 25. It was As a great usual. Game. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we we have uh, a new host here uh, with us today, and it's uh, well, it, I should say we have both guests today are returning guests. And if you are familiar with the uh, Whoopi Goldberg classic Sister Act Two, Back in the Habit uh, from 1993, this episode will have nothing to do with that. But the reason we said that is because we're bringing back sisters we had on a wonderful episode. I think it was titled Madonna Sex Book. Is that right? Was that the one? Yep. I should have brought the book today, and I didn't. I'm sorry, everyone. Been telling you. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, well, let's first uh, welcome uh, our guest host today. Uh, she was a, a competitor last time she was on the show, but she's coming to us from Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, Lauren Kushwa. How's it going, Lauren? It is going amazing. I am so happy to be here and back at it again. And Sister Act 2, it's just a different Lauren. No Lauren Hill, but you get me. Mm. <laughs> That's all right. Well, we'll we'll play some Lauren Hill that no one will hear for copyright reasons, but mm-hmm. it was there. It's there. <laughs> it's just constantly on in the background. It is uh, killing us softly. So, uh, Lauren, just remind <laughs> folks uh, about what you do and uh, what you're up to out in uh, Greenville. Yeah, so I live in Greenville, South Carolina. I've been here almost two years now. I'm a dietitian with the school district food and nutrition department here. 
Um, I specialize in farm to school and grants. And I also, um, the best thing I get to do is I oversee a program that helps special education students earn their employability credentials so that they can go into the world and uh, show that they're employable and get jobs. And since the last time I was on, we have graduated another group of students and two of which we have hired into our own department. So it is just the best to see it come full circle. Very cool. That is wonderful. Well, thank you again for uh, joining us. We had such a fun time last time. We're looking forward to your questions today. And uh, our special guest uh, where the Sister Act uh, comes into play is Lauren's sister, Christina Loper, Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, coming to us from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, It's good to see you again, Christina. And you have some good news that you just shared with us before we started? Yeah. So it's so funny to talk about full circle. Uh, The last time we recorded, it was the day before I started my first day of classes at Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute in Manhattan. And um, tomorrow I start my first read for our town, which I got cast in. Yay. Congratulations. Very excited. Yeah. Lee already came through. He did. He did. He did. He did. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, remind the folks at home uh, also what you do in in, uh, addition to acting. So on top of acting, I'm also an archaeologist. I work for a nonprofit called IR Lab. Uh, We actually are going to be starting up excavations this summer. Uh, Very excited about a couple of them. Um, We will be deferring our European excavations till next year. But if there are any budding archaeologists out there that want to see what we do or apply for any of our field schools, you can check us out. It's uh, IRLabNP.org. I dig it. Yeah, Matt, you interested? Uh, I just killed Jeff with that joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) Not interested, Matt? No. Okay. (laughs) I'm not not a shuffle guy. That's true. (laughs) You could be the. You could have the duster. That's true. When we when we buried that one body, Matt was just yelling directions at us and wouldn't get involved. So. Probably smart. Uh, but th- thank you both for, for joining us. Uh, and Lauren, last time um, you were telling us of your affinity for pop culture and boy bands and, and all that good stuff. So I'm curious, is your game going to lean that way? Or are we going to also be in for some scientific and historical references that uh, Christina had? Well, so I really tried to do the whole write what you know thing. So I would say that there's going to be a lot of that in there. There is definitely a loose theme to the whole game today. And, um, but I also really wanted to make sure that I kind of tailor to everybody's interests and specialties. So I think it's going to be well-rounded, I hope, with the theme anyways. Awesome. Or within the theme. Yeah, nice. Well, wonderful. Well, uh, Neil and I are going to team up. I just saw the Northman. So uh, I've been thinking about uh, Alexander Skarsgård and his gleaming muscles. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, our team is going to be a little bit of a tongue twister. It's going to be Skarsgård Guard Scars. Yeah, and in honor of the large scar on my face from running into a tree in high school during a uh, production of Pride and Prejudice, so mm-hmm. uh, which is true. Jeff, uh, you're gonna have to say that name many times. Many today. times. Scars, 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 scars. Uh, and Christina uh, chose Matt, and in archaeological terms, she chose wisely. Um, <laughs> we'll so, see. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, what, what's your team name today? So for our town, I got cast as Mrs. Gibbs, um, and Matt is a quippy man, so we're gonna be Mrs. Gibbs Quips. All, All right. right, scars, guards, guards, scars, and Mrs. Gibbs quips. Good luck, Jeff. May Let's God. get yeah. the rules. As uh, as they say, may God have mercy on me. Mm-hmm.
The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. We must and Matt, the reference was uh, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. Oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> never heard of it. Because Christina is like Indiana Jones right, right. of the show now, yeah. uh, officially. Spitting image. Yes. <laughs> Who was the director yeah. on that one? Uh, that was, uh, I think, it was a Swedish director, Steven Spionbjorg uh, or something. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> up and comer, really. Yes. Uh, really yeah. Lauren, feel free to take it away. All right. So let's get started. Question number one is called Family Magic. If you have children, or you just like good movies, you may have seen Encanto by now. The story revolves around a family with magical powers. As a dietitian, I can't help but love the mom whose powers are to heal people with food. There is a particular item she uses often in the film to heal people, and it is mentioned in the opening song. The lyrics go, my mom Julieta can make you feel better with just one of these traditional Colombian items made primarily of cornmeal, salt, and water, then fried in oil. What is this magical food? I think I know, Matt. Okay. I just saw this for the first time, but there were children talking over it. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> so I might have missed this one. but uh, So they were definitely talking about Bruno is what you're saying. I asked them not to, <laughs> okay. but they would, they would not relent. Um, I think that we can lock in with whatever you're thinking. Do you, do you know it off the, off the top? I kind of remember. Do you? I, I, I one. I, I haven't seen know. this movie. Uh, my niece watches it all the time, but I, I haven't seen it with her. So um, it's got to end with Etta, right? Yes, uh, not muffaletta, but no. uh, that's what the New that? Orleans thing. That's the New Orleans sandwich. Sorry, I thought it was something bad, but it's the New Orleans sandwich. Sorry. What about? <laughs> oh I'm just gonna make up a word. What about like payetta? Oh yeah, is that something? Payette? I just made it up. Or payette is something. No, it should end with etta. Okay, so, I was thinking to make it rhyme. I'm pretty sure payette is a thing. Payette. Okay, I was thinking of um, tortilla. All right, we're gonna say payette. Payette. Okay. Thinking paella. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm always thinking, thinking of paella. paella. Tortilla. That doesn't really rhyme though. Jumbo light. Yeah, you got to think of. We're the... gonna stick with payette. Okay. So, what I think it is doesn't quite rhyme, but I'm pretty sure it's arepas. I also think that now that I hear it out loud. Concur. All right. So it's my mom, Julieta, can make you feel better with just one arepa. Oh, and they yeah. say it's so fancy that it kind of rhymes like, rhyme. like Ken was trying to get at. But good job, you guys. Once you get all those Tonys, you that's, can just that's, rhyme whatever you want. That's, yeah. that's beyond a slant rhyme, though. <laughs> all right. Question two. Potato, potato. Known in NBA history as one of the shortest players to play professional basketball coming in at 5'6", it's impressive that this player won a slam dunk contest in 1986 and his vertical leap was recorded at 46 inches. For comparison, LeBron James is 6'9", a whole foot and three inches taller, but his vertical leap is two inches shorter at 44 inches. This player started his career with the Detroit Pistons, then played six seasons with the Atlanta Hawks and eventually was traded to the Sacramento Kings. Who is this impressive athlete? I mean, LeBron's a big man. It's hard to get a lot of that up off the ground. Yeah, so. we can lock in. Yeah, because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a. Uh, I know the guy from uh, Space Jam. Yeah, it's probably too late though, right? 
Muggsy Bogues? Yeah. I thought it was him at first, too, but he was on Charlotte, now that I think about it. I don't know if he was on the Hawks. I don't know any others. There's one that's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm like completely botching it right now. You know it. You've said the name before. Yeah, I know. I can't figure it out. All right. Well, if you can't, we'll just stick with Muggsy. Okay. Uh, potato Potato is a very amusing clue because his name is Spud. It's Spud Webb. Uh, that's it, yeah. Matt's got it. Absolutely. It's Spud Webb. And since his debut, there have only been two players shorter than him, Earl Boinkin and Muggsy Bogues. But Spud Webb is the answer. Nice job. Great clue. Yeah, I just completely messed that one up, Ken. Sorry. I messed up the first one, so. Oh, good. Who will mess up the third one? Let's find out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question three. Tom says, treat yourself. Turquoise gemstones are said to be rarer than diamonds because less than 5% of the gemstones that are mined possess the characteristics to be cut and set into jewelry. It is also the only gemstone to have a color named after it. It got its name from the French who named it after the country that first brought it to France. What is this country? All right, we are going to go ahead and lock in here. I am blanking, Matt. I have no idea. Um, So I guess we're just going to name a country where a lot of gemstones come from. What Were you leaning in any particular direction? No, I wasn't because I feel like that question kind of took me on a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, I had like different thoughts at different points in time with each one. But I think, I, I think we're looking at probably a northern, I was thinking northern African. Um, I think oh, that, that would make sense. They had a lot of trade. Um, maybe like Morocco or I like Morocco. That's a country. All right. We're gonna. Yeah, but it's very. It's a lot of sand, though. I'm not really sure you would mind a lot of gems there. It's uh, like some of the hmm. biggest parts of the. Yeah, what about Algeria? Algeria was the second one I would say. Okay. Well, we both said it at some point in time. So we are going to lock in with Algeria. Okay. We're just keeping it simple. Turquoise. We're going to say Turkey. Tom Tom the Turkey. I don't know. Correct. Ken got all the clues. (laughs) And I love, I mean, watching you guys struggle on this one, I have to tell you, I thought that this question was too easy. I almost took it out. It is, (laughs) I think, because it's so easy that it's like... Like turquoise, turkey, it was like turkey, but oh man. Yep, okay. Exactly. Yep. And the French for Turkish is turquoise. And I uh, got to give a special shout out to Misinformation, who taught me about this in episode 193. You're a gem. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should. It's very good. <laughs> Don't right. underestimate my simple, simple mind. <laughs> <laughs> turquoise sounds like turkey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I just see the Seth Rogen laugh every time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, yeah, Julianne Lauren. All right. Question four. I'm kind of a big deal. As of the beginning of 2022, Tyson McGuffin is a tattoo loving Idahoan and the top ranked player for $700 who will give you two days worth of lessons in his sport. Tyson has 10 sponsors, his own brand of clothing line and branded water bottles. Tyson is top ranked in a sport that is credited to have been invented by three dads in 1965 who were sick of hearing their kids complain about how bored they were. This sport can be played indoors or outdoors and is said to be for all ages, which is apparent when you see that the top 100 ranked players range in age from 19 years of age to 52. What is this sport that is rumored to be named after a boat race or possibly the creator's dog? I think we can lock in. Oh, good. So, Neil, you were having thoughts. 
I was just thinking of sports that are like in the mainstream now. At first, I was thinking video games, which I don't think it is, but I was thinking maybe like cornhole or like bags, but mm. just because there's a lot of young people on that and, you know, you can do it indoors or outdoors. But the thing that's throwing me, though, is it's named after a dog. Possibly. Could you name a dog Cornhole? Like, get over here, Cornhole. It wouldn't be good. Yeah, it wouldn't. Um, that's not <laughs> a terrible guess. What's he got in his mouth? Yeah, quit eating that, Cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> Stop licking your own butt, Cornhole. <laughs> oh, man. What about Frolf? Oh, Frisbee. Oh, you know what? Frisbee golf. Oh, actually, maybe. I was thinking of Ultimate Frisbee, Play that which. Inside. Did you know that Joel Silver apparently oh started Frisbee golf? I mean, uh, Ultimate Frisbee on a college campus, the film film producer. Really? He claims that he started mm. okay. Ultimate yeah. Frisbee. Al Gore invented the internet, Neil, so. Let's, Just look it up. Let's say, yeah. let's say Frolf. Frolf? Okay. All right. You said I'm kind of a big dill, so I said pickleball. Mm. Because I am kind of a big deal, because it is pickleball. Well done. Is that that game where they like hit a ball on a trampoline? It's a sen- no. It's That's essentially tennis, but with like, like paddle, paddles right? and, and plastic balls, like a little wiffle ball. Where thing. does the pickle come in? There is no pickle. So mm. It's maybe named it's after. Yeah, so the owners had a dog named Pickle, but it turns out that they named the dog Pickle after Pickleball. They had the sport first. And I guess somewhere up in the Northeast, it's called a pickle boat race when you have teams come together. And if you have an uneven number of people, the people left over get thrown into the boat and that boat's called the Pickle Boat. I don't know. I don't understand it myself, but that's where you get Pickleball. Okay. All right. right. Just be careful of Pickle. He likes to lick. Same owner. He owns pickle and, yeah, 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 and cornhole. Yeah. And cornhole. Yeah. Pickle and cornhole detective dogs. Oh. I hate it. I love it. Okay, I gotta stop laughing at that. Oh, all right. Question five. Hey, kitty girls. I love drag queens, and there is one in particular that is my favorite. I kind of hate even saying that because she's really tied with Katya and Monet Exchange. But anyways, this queen. <laughs> in particular is unique because she is the only queen to have been on RuPaul's Drag Race and placed in the top three each time she has been on. Even if you don't know drag queens, it's okay because you have for sure heard of her name. She shares it with a candy and a unique fruit. The fruit is used for several medicinal purposes, mainly grown in Asia and is also known as the Chinese apple. The candy is the sister candy to Elaine Bennis's favorite candy. So, who is this funny fruit name sharing amazing drag queen? This isn't head of lettuce, is it? <laughs> I was thinking of that too. All right, Neil, whatever you think it is, don't text me. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And Matt, we right. can, I can lock in. Oh, good, 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 good. Because I, I, I am lost here. All right, I'm just trying to think of names. Um, there's one that's like sugar, sugar cane, but I don't think that's a fruit. What was Elaine's favorite candy? Um, sugar cane, yeah, that's not a, a um, lemon. Oh, does she like jujubes? Jujubes, she likes. That's right, she has them all in her mouth and she can't speak correctly because her mouth's full of them. So what's the companion? Oh, uh, cherry sour, sour cherries? Oh. Um, cherry sour? Cherry sour? Sure. Is that a queen? Is that a, I, I'm not too sure. I know, I know a few of them. I don't know all we'll go, of them. We'll though. go with cherry sour. Cherry sour, okay. Uh, it's... It's Jujubee. 
it's 100% GGV. <laughs> it's a, so I originally thought Elaine Bennis is my clue was it's her favorite candy. And then I went back and rewatched and her favorite candy is Juji fruits and Juju bees are the little ones that are the sister candy to Juji fruits. Mm-hmm. That's so. right. Jeff, what are well the scores? Done. Good luck with these names. The scores are actually uh, pretty interesting. Um, every single question was answered correctly. Just not by us. Just not by both teams. Uh, so, <laughs> Skarsgård Garskars has ten points. So close. But in the lead, no, it's you know it is what it is. I'm doing one take. And uh, in the lead, Miss Gibbs quips with forty. Question six: Eating gold. Chips are a staple in the United States, ranking in as the third most popular snack in America. There is one style that ranks above the others and is sold in fifty countries across the globe. This chip has had over a hundred different flavors since the first year it was sold in 1966, with flavors ranging from yogurt and mint to toasted corn to clam chowder and even a ranch dipped chicken wings and Mountain Dew flavor. Marketing executive Arch West was inspired to name this chip for the Spanish word for gold and the suffix for little. What is this popular chip? All right, we're locked in. I know Lay's always has like a million different flavors, um, but Spanish word for gold is throwing me. I mean, I was thinking Doritos at first, but I don't know if there's that many flavors. Uh, I would not put it past them. I do know that there is like a Buffalo Ranch flavor wing one. Um, and Edo is like little. So she said if it's... Uh-huh. Oh, that might be right. I would go with Dorito. Okay. We'll lock in with Dorito. Uh, Oro is gold. We said Dorito as well. We don't know where the D comes from, though. Yeah, exactly. Arch West just thought that Orito sounded good and felt like throwing a D in front of it. So Dorito is the right answer. Mm. Oh, nice. I always remember that because wow. Oro y Plata is uh, the state motto, mm. of course, of Montana, right? Obviously. Gold and silver. As, all, as we all Obviously. know, yes. <laughs> That's how my mind works. Mm-hmm. Or doesn't. Don't, don't ruin her oro de plata question. Oro y plata question later. <laughs> I was going to say, I know that from Narcos more than anything. Ah, plata y plato, plomo. Yes, exactly. Love, love it. All right, guys. Question seven. Surf's up. The 2020 Summer Olympics, even though they were held in 2021, debuted surfing as an Olympic sport for the first time. There are plenty of amazing places to surf around the world. However, when learning how to surf, you need a place that will provide waves that won't kill you. According to Surfline.com, which beach in the United States is ranked as one of the top 10 places to learn how to surf with the nickname of the East Coast Surf Capital? It is also the birthplace of surfing king Kelly Slater and is documented to have been established by freed enslaved people shortly after the Civil War. Uh, we'll go ahead and lock in here. We don't have a great guess, but there's a beach I've been to on the East Coast. So, Would it be somewhere off of the Jersey Shore, possibly? I'm thinking if I can... Re- is it Folly Beach? Where would that be? That's in Charleston. Okay. It, that sounds somewhat familiar. I don't know if we're going to get anything closer. Well, I'm thinking Kelly Slater or Myrtle. No. Myrtle Beach is a beach that I know about. A lot of people, I was just at Folly Beach last year, though, and a lot of people are surfing. Okay. Well, that sounds like well, evidence. 
Actually, there's a lot of historical stuff that happens through Folly Beach, too. Well, then it sounds like we should lock in with Folly okay, Beach. Okay, let's just do that. All right. I'm going to feel uh, terrible if it's Myrtle. <laughs> I just picked any old beach on the East Coast that I've been to, and I can confirm there's a Ron John's surf shop there. So we said Cocoa Beach. Ah. And this beach is Cocoa Beach. Wow. Well done, Ken. Yeah, Ron Johns. (laughs) I I knew he was from Florida, but I'm glad that you said Cocoa Beach. Yeah, I thought it was kind of, I didn't realize that uh, Kelly Slater was from there, and I had no idea about it being settled by Mm -hmm. freed enslaved people either. I thought that was really cool. And we've been to Cocoa Mm -hmm. Beach, Christina and I, numerous times. So, all right, well done. Um, All right, question eight. She's a full-on Monet, Gagsville. So I have to tell you guys that I knew, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a Patreon member when I heard, and I'm pretty sure it was Ken, talk about how much he hated Brad Pitt eating in movies Mm. because I hate it. I cannot stand it. It drives me crazy. And I think it drives me crazy because there's a line in Clueless where they're like, anything you can do to draw attention to your mouth is a good thing. And I just feel like that's what Brad Pitt is doing and I hate it. (laughs) So anyways, all of that said, the writers of Clueless must have taken that very seriously because there are so many scenes with food and drink throughout the movie that I couldn't even keep track of it. But there is one scene that involves food, but no one actually eats it. It's when Cher is getting ready for Christian to come over and she says, whenever a boy comes over, you should have something baking. What is it Cher plops on a sheet pan and throws in the oven, but ultimately burns? You can you can make the call here, Neil. Okay. If you know we can lock in. I'm pretty sure she just takes an entire thing of cookie dough. Yeah. And like doesn't chop that up. She just unrolls the cookie dough and just like one big roll and leaves it on there and it burns. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, I believe she's like in a robe and yeah, she pulls off the, the wrapper and just like drops it on the pan uh, of cookie dough. Uh, and just, yeah, I agree. That's exactly what she does and what she's wearing, Neil. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Just throws the whole thing in there and then burns it. So I make it like a cookie cake. I guess. So you can like a log. It is like a log. There's a there's a video of what would happen if you did that, and it probably just spreads. Doesn't yeah, and just kind of becomes a big mess. When I was a kid, I always thought it was like salami or like ham. I didn't realize it was cookie until I was older. I don't know why. When you rewatched it again, it's probably my Freudian (laughs) slip. You know. As a kid, watching <laughs> Clueless. No, I know next time to have Neil over for dinner, I'll make him ham-shaped, nice cookie-shaped hot, hams. Nice hot salami. <laughs> yeah. Got a nice hot salami in the oven for you. <laughs> Give the leftovers there... to a cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> not talking about the time Neil came over in the hot salami, Ken. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's Sorry. a movie, but it's not available for rent anymore. Wow. Right. <laughs> Number nine, please. As quickly as possible. All right. Question nine. <laughs> I swear, I don't know of an episode of Triviality where you guys don't mention a non, like a, a not real porn video that you're either in or have made. Every episode. <laughs> this is our brand now. Uh, Quote unquote, not yeah. real. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. All right. Question nine. Sunshine food. We all know we need to eat a variety of foods so that we can get a variety of vitamins and minerals. We also need to drink water and get sunlight, since like the meme says, we're basically just houseplants with complicated emotions. Sunlight helps boost serotonin levels in the brain and gives us our main source of vitamin D, which is vital for bone health. If you aren't getting enough sunlight or or aren't into swallowing large pills for supplementation, there is one item that you can find in the produce section, even though it's not really produce. 
but it is our only naturally occurring, occurring source of digestible vitamin D. What is this item? Vitamin D, huh? Vitamin D. I take vitamin D3. As do I. But Sunny it, it D? doesn't help me. How many IU are you on? Uh, <laughs> a thousand. A thousand IU. Nice. I, I had I had way too much B12 in the toxic level when I got my blood work back a couple weeks ago, and it was because uh, my face kept getting red after I ate, ate everything because I was having way too much B12. Where were you Where getting? Are you eating? Yeah. Where, where's the B12 it's in like from? a lot of it, like cheese and a lot of foods. Huh. But uh, anyway, I had a toxic level of B12, which was not good. <laughs> Damn. But I didn't so have a toxic level homage. of D12, which I always <laughs> listen to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excuse me. As a vegan, I always need more B12. Do you? I should just give you yeah. my flesh. No, you should just <laughs> just. <laughs> Again, he already did that. A B twelve transfusion. That was in the movie. We can't talk about. <laughs> you guys I, got an answer? So I, uh, this one's killing me. It's not bell pepper. I have, n- I have no idea what would be in the produce section. That's not produce. All right, it's, um, the, it's the man unloading the cart in your way uh, when you're trying to walk about through. Peanuts. Okay. I don't know. Just nuts. Of some sort? Peanuts, yeah. Okay. Well, peanuts have like no nutritional value from what I remember. Not true. They're a good source of protein. I think almonds okay. are good for um, for uh, prostate or something. Right? Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Is peanuts it... actually are a really good source of B12, actually. Oh, really? Oh, no wonder. I was eating almond butter every no? day and I had to stop. That's probably what it was. Oh, I'm <laughs> almonds aren't peanuts, but okay. Neil, Neil has a toxic level of something in his body and he's like, <laughs> oh, so I, I forgot what I had to stop eating. <laughs> Something is toxic within me. Shoveling, shoveling peanuts like a circus elephant. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I think maybe maybe pomegranate. I feel like they got those pomegranate juices in the bag of the those produce palms? section. Yeah. But that is, that seems I mean, very pomegranates are considered a, a produce, though. The things that I always find in the produce section, like tofu is always, always all over there, but um, I don't think that it has a lot of vitamin D, though. Um, no. I mean, there's always like, Ugh, pistachios, I feel like, are always by the produce section. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of tucked in at the end of the fruit. Yeah. Like, orange juice, like Sunshine State. But, I mean, is orange juice, is that considered a... They might have those those uh, frozen orange juice things. Those slushy orange juice things. You know what I'm talking about? I do not. There's a can of orange about. juice concentrate. I remember those. Oh, like the Minute Maid one? Yeah. That, like, you make... Out of right, right, right. Let's say, oh. let's say orange juice then. You just want to say orange juice? Sure. Okay. Theoretically, then oranges too, right? I guess. I mean, you you subtly said Sunny D, and if that's right, that's gonna be infuriating. But yeah, what did we say? Nuts. We said we said uh, peanuts. Peanuts. All right. Well, in the produce section, you will find fruits and vegetables. This item is neither fruit, nor vegetable, nor plant, nor animal. It's a fungi. It's the mushroom. Oh. oh. I should have known. I know, Christina. I know. I go so hiking sorry. with the kids all the time. <laughs> oh, it's like how I got how I didn't get the producer's question. Same yeah, kind of yeah, situation. Yeah. I go hiking with my kids. We go mushroom hunting all the time. So was that the revenge anything. of the producer's question? Mm. Oh. Yeah. Is that why your kids always play really psychedelic music when they get home? Yes. <laughs> they love the doors. All of the dances. Cal Pell, a huge Jim Morrison fan. Oh, awesome. Wait till he finds out they're not that good. I'm just kidding. All right. Question number 10, which might be my favorite question. 
Question 10 is, it's business time. Oh my In God. season one, episode two of Flight of the Concords, Brett takes on a new job where he meets a female coworker. While they are in conversation, Brett begins to think out loud to himself. Oh my God, she's so hot. She's so flipping hot. She's like a curry. This actress would later get her first lead TV role in a show that went on for seven seasons where she played a single mother pretending to be younger in order to land a job. What six-time Tony nominee plays Brett's new curry hot co-worker? Got it. Yeah, we're locked in. I got it too. We're locked in. <laughs> Is this too, from the show but... Younger? Hmm? Well, it was a younger reference. It was a younger reference. She's talking about Flight of the Concords. Oh, I know that. Okay. I just didn't expect to ever hear a younger reference. <laughs> I think We're everybody's locked in. Locked I believe, in. Yeah, I believe I this, was, uh, this was spoken about last time. I think so. I think you're right. All right. So, so the answer, Lauren Couchois or Sutton Foster. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> yes. Mrs. Gibbs, what you got? We also said Sutton Foster. Because it is Sutton Foster. I know. <laughs> I was trying so hard. I was like, how do I get Foster into <laughs> how this? Do I, how, do I, how do I put me in this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I used to love watching I, that show. Oh, it's the best. And um, that was the same anyway. question he was asking when he saw her, but nothing. <laughs> uh, let's go to the swing round. Let's go to the scores. Let's go to the scoreboard. Let's go to the scoreboard. That's you, Jeff. Jeff oh, just yeah, zoned out over here. <laughs> I actually have them all written down. Let me just add it up. Yes. So the score recap, looking at the scores after round one, uh, game drew a little bit closer than the first half. So good job over at Scars Guard, who guards Scars. Uh, your score is now 50 points, but still in the lead, Miss Gibbs quips with 70. And I, I'm going to give it away the theme now, but actually I was about to give it away with the Sutton Foster thing, because if you look back at the answers or think about them, everything is food related, even if it's a play on food words like turkey, oh, pickleball, spud, turkey, cocoa yeah. beach, spud. Yeah. Mutton Foster. Um, and Foster. <laughs> Bananas Foster, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or the beer. Australian for beer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out a Sutton Foster, either beer or banana foster question. And I couldn't, so I started researching and I don't remember her in Flight of the Concords at all. But then the question just wrote itself when that's uh, how it came about. But anyways, okay. So you may have noticed by now that the theme for the game is food related. For our swing round, we're gonna keep that going. And this is people with food names. I'm going to give you a description of a famous person and their work. And I want you to tell me who I'm talking about. I'll give you the field in which they're known for, and everybody in this list has food in their name somewhere. So, like, for example, the actor from Apollo 13, Mystic River, and Tremors. Kevin Bacon. It's Kevin Bacon. Mm -hmm. Gary Anise? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's an anise. I can never remember. <laughs> potato, potato, right? Okay. So, question one, or number one. This football pro is the only non-kicker to make the top 50 list of highest scoring NFL players of all time. He appeared on Dancing with the Stars and was selected for the Pro Bowl 13 times. Number two, this New York City native singer, songwriter, and pianist was classically trained on piano as a child and began composing her own music when she was eight. She released five albums from 1996 to 2020 and all of which reached the, top, reached the top 20 in the U.S. Billboard charts. 
She received a Grammy for Best Female Vocal Rock Performance in 1999. Number three, this actor dies so often in his roles that there is even a list of his most memorable deaths. The list includes deaths such as being crushed by a satellite while fighting James Bond, executed for his love of poetry, being impaled on an anchor by Jack Ryan, and shot to death by arrows while protecting the precious ring. Number four. This rapper, actor, and television host had the first hip-hop single to top the Billboard charts. His debut album was originally called Hooked, but was reformatted a year later and released with the new title To the Extreme. You can see his acting skills in movies such as 13 Going on 30 and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Number five. This American educator and politician served as Stanford University's provost from 1993 to 1999, has been awarded 11 honorary doctorates, and was the first woman to hold the position of national security advisor. Number six, this Canadian actor and comedian who was born on Halloween 1950 landed his first movie roles in 1979, one of them being in the classic American period war comedy 1941. He was also in Splash, Home Alone, Rookie of the Year, Blues Brothers, and JFK. Number seven, this Wisconsin-born actress is often typecast as characters in movies with overt sex appeal. She has been cast as a porn star in two separate films. She played a sex worker opposite Johnny Depp in 2001, a stripper in 2009, and a director of pornographic films in 2012. She has also had roles in television appearing in shows such as Scrubs and Californication. Number eight, this right fielder and author played in the MLB for 17 seasons. He is one of only five MLB players to hit two pinch hit grand slams in the same season, and he was on a winning World Series team four times, once with the New York Mets and then three times with the New York Yankees. Number nine, this actress has been nominated for five lead actress Tony Awards. She won two of them and has also won three Emmy Awards for her work in 24, The Handmaid's Tale, and Succession. She was in a relationship with Sarah Paulson for five years, although the couple amicably split in 2009. She has been credited in 30 theatrical productions, 26 television shows, and 31 movies, the most recent one being The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Number 10. This English actor-singer is most notably known by those that suffer from coulrophobia. However, my ad admiration began with his 1975 role as an amazing doctor, and then again for his role in Home Alone 2. An honorable mention should be for his role in the movie Congo, where he steals the scene with his sesame cake eating skills. All right, those are the questions for the swing round, and we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. 
I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers are now in. Let's get the questions one more time and see how we did. All right. Number one. This football pro that is the only non-kicker to make the top 50 list of highest scoring NFL players. Who is he? Uh, we just had to kind of take a guess here, right? Yeah, we were between Heinz Ward, but we thought uh, Heinz Ward wasn't <laughs> a food. Uh, Heinz. And we said uh, high score with the food name. We went Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Most touchdowns of all time. Jerry Rice. Correct. That's Jerry Rice. Number two. This New York City native singer-songwriter that won the... Best female vocal rock performance in 1999. Who is she? Uh, we're going back to the produce section here, and we're saying Fiona Apple. Oh. Ugh. Well, I guess we're eating crow on this one. Yes, <laughs> we're eating crow. <laughs> said crow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a food. I, I love your answer. <laughs> we mentioned her, yeah. All right, yeah. No, that's Fiona Apple. Number three, which actor dies so much that there's a whole list of them? Said uh, Sean Bean. We also said Sean Bean. That's Sean Bean. Number four, the actor, rapper, and television host that you can see in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, and 13 Going on 30. Go Ninja, go Ninja. Yeah, we said Robert Van Winkle, uh, Vanilla Ice. We also said Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. Number five. Who was the first woman to hold the position of national security advisor? Might as well have a second uh, helping of rice here. <laughs> so we said Condoleezza this time. Nice. Mm-hmm. One will never fill you up, so we also went with a second helping of rice. <laughs> it is Condoleezza Rice. The Canadian actor and comedian who was in 1941, Home Alone, Rookie of the Year, and JFK. We said John Candy. We also said John Candy. Very good. That's John Candy. And number seven seemed to give both teams some trouble. So which actress is often cast in movies as a character that has overt sex appeal? She was a porn star in two separate films, a sex worker opposite Johnny Depp. That was in the film From Hell, a stripper in 2009, and she played a director of pornographic films in 2012. Something tells me she's also Ken's favorite Austin Powers femme fatale. Oh. We didn't know, so we just said Jamie Taco. And that does cool appeal to two people. Uh, we said uh, Demi Moore. And then I don't know where, De- I guess a Demi sauce. Demi Glaze, right? Oh, yeah. your, uh, your... a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yep, nope. This is Heather Graham. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. The right fielder and author that played for the MLB in 17 seasons and won the World Series once with the Mets and three times with the Yankees. The only player we could think of on the Mets and Yankees with a food name was Daryl Strawberry. 
And this was all Matt. I have no idea, but we said Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. I did say uh, Trout, though. You, trout was a good <laughs> answer. Oh, my Trout. I guess. like that answer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Number nine. This actress has been nominated for five lead actress Tony Awards, two of which she won. She also won three Emmy Awards for her work in 24, The Handmaid's Tale, and Succession. And she was or has been in 31 movies, the most recent one being The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Who is she? Yep. Um, if you remember her, she played uh, the president for a short while in 24, Cherry Jones. Oh, that's an incredible poll. Mm. Holy crap. We had <laughs> absolutely nothing. Yep. This was a tough one. Cherry Jones is correct. Well done. Okay, number 10, the English actor-singer that I love in Home Alone 2, Congo, and for his role as a doctor in 1975. Yep, I'm glad you mentioned Congo, one of his uh, most prolific performances. Uh, We said Tim Curry. (laughs) I agree, that is one of his most prolific performances. We also said Tim Curry. It is Tim Curry, and I love him in Home Alone 2, but in Congo, he's probably the best person, so... Had to throw that in there. I think I fell asleep during Congo when we last watched it, Neil. That sounds about right. And then I woke up to the sound of screaming apes. (laughs) I believe there's also... But the movie was already off. (laughs) I believe there's a great hippo attack at night on the water, if I remember. All right. And after the swing round, uh, points went up for both teams quite a bit, um, but still not able to... uh, Well, they closed the gap, but they haven't taken the lead. Skarsgård... Guard Scars uh, at 95, and we've got Miss Gibbs Quips, still in the lead, 105. Round two, our theme continues on, and question one is titled, I absolutely hate this, because I couldn't think of a better title, because I absolutely hate that this is a thing. So, in 2015, a popular fast food chain really hit the idiot of all idiot advertising that I have ever heard of. The meat-loving chain ran an ad highlighting their new brown sugar bacon. The bacon was said to be so irresistible that even a vegetarian couldn't resist it. The company took it a step farther to set up an actual helpline, 1-855-MEAT-HELP, to offer assistance to vegetarians who simply couldn't resist the brown sugar bacon. It was an actual working line, and when you called, there was somebody there that answered and told you to calm down and eat a salad. If that wasn't enough... They doubled down after the backlash from the Meat Help hotline ads and offered a one-time-only vegetarian meal. They called it the bread sandwich. So, which fast food chain could possibly be this rude? All right, I think we're going to go ahead and lock in, and I'm going to take this ad campaign, and I'm going to raise you a Dr. Pepper 10. It's not for women. For the men. Do you remember that? (gasps) No, but that noise, no. <laughs> Dr. Pepper 10, not it's women. not for women. That's some bull- like that wow. I, I don't drink so yeah. often. This is only like, this is like 10 <laughs> like, years ago, Yeah, I would say within the last decade. I remember that. <laughs> anyways, anyways, we're locked in. Uh, I, I have no idea, Matt. I don't know if you do. No, um, I was thinking, oh. so Arby's had We Have the Meats, so they're a big meat I, company. The only... Um, the only advertising, like when I think of like terrible advertising for a fast food chain, I usually think Hardee's. Is it mm-hmm. Hardee's? Yeah, them and Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. But they're owned by the same company, so I, don't, I would I would say Hardee's. Hardee's is a good. I think that was around the time they had uh, uh, Kate Upton eating the 
burger on the on the hood of the car very seductively. Right. Oh, in like slow motion or whatever. Was that yeah. No. She also did one, but it, the the one oh. he was talking about was, yeah, okay. it was like the first one. Yeah. So I'm good with that. So we can lock in with Hardee's. I wrote down Hardee's, but uh, Ken, you you mentioned one I thought that was even more about the meats. Yeah, we said Arby's. Yeah, it, it's Arby's. Mm-hmm. I cannot yeah. believe that they actually did this, but and, it's Arby's. And here's a here's a great article on the Dr Pepper slogan. <laughs> Just the the headline of this article: Dr Pepper's not for women ad campaign. Sexist? <laughs> is there a question? It yeah. should just be declaratory. It is. It's sexist. It's a period, not a question mark. <laughs> uh, I, hate, I hate that I know that now. All right. Question two. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> Food and sports often go hand in hand. One of the craziest foods you've been able to get, get since... 2018 at a football arena is the Dungeness Crab Pretzel. This is knuckle and claw meat mixed with garlic aioli, Dijon mustard, and chives all on a pretzel baguette. The review of this item said, I can see why fans would cheer for this dish, but I'm still trying to figure out why they're cheering for their team. The team must have taken this review to heart since they went on to have a 13-3 record the following year after the sandwich was debuted, at which five-time Super Bowl champ Team Stadium, can you find this unique dish? I think we can lock in. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll trust you. Mm. Neil, I'm going to leave this one to you. Right, so off the top of my head, you want to go Patriots, but we know Tom Brady won six with them, so it's not them. We all know that. But we know it's everyone East Coast. Yeah, I was everyone just thinking knows of, that. Yeah. I was thinking of um, the food, too, being yeah, East Coast. Yeah, where you could get the good fresh crab. Right, and then I was thinking, okay, well, close there is Pittsburgh, but they won four with Bradshaw, two with Roethlisberger, so that's six, so it's not them. 49ers won four with Montana, and then two with Steve Young, so it's not them. And now I'm kind of like at a loss. Tampa Bay. They've only won with Brady once. Oh, and they won or no, once twice. before that. Twice, yeah, they won what with about Gruden. Before? Gruden, they only won once. They were really bad all the way up Warren. until when they won. Oh, I got to stop giving clues. Sorry. No, that's okay. So, right. What so do you want to do? I don't know football. I, I know, I know uh, food, but not football. I'm, yeah, I'm just at a loss now. And the only other thing I can think of is the um, the Rams just won. They might have. They won with St. Louis once. Did they win with uh, the old team in the 70s? Do you want to just say the Rams? Sure. Okay. Um, my thinking for this was this is around the time they opened Jerry World. And they uh, they would have had some new food items in Dallas. They were really bad for a while in that time period. And they were good again. I think they won five Super Bowls, so we said the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Well, you guys are on the right train of thought when you're thinking about where can we get crab. And it would be in the Bay, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, that was my uh, yeah, Levi Stadium. Number three, all of you. Olives are considered a fruit and are an amazing source of vitamin A, E, K, and B. They are mentioned throughout Greek mythology and were often used as gifts. In addition to the fruit, the olive branch has come to be known as a symbol of peace. There are three flags which bear the olive branch, Eritrea, the United Nations flag, and this island country, which also manufactures the world's oldest wine, Kamandaria, using two distinct grapes indigenous to the country. Which country is this? And we're going to go ahead and lock in. So my first thought was Cyprus. 
that's my first thought as well, but I'm not sure if, is that considered its own nation? It is. It, de it definitely has a flag and it's in the Greek Isles. So oh, that's, I have Greek, Greece, and then I have Cyprus. So I think we just go with, let's go with Cyprus. Okay. Cause that's definitely not on the Greece flag. Cause I think I know what that looks like. Yeah. Who knows what the Cyprus flag looks like? It could be anything. How about a <laughs> how about an orange island on a field of white with a green olive branch underneath? I, let's hope for that. <laughs> we said Cyprus. Yeah, we, we like locked, spot on, Jeff. <laughs> we locked in uh, with Cyprus as well. I, I only mentioned that to Ken because uh, Paul Hollywood uh, uh, baked there for about a decade, and I, they always show the flag when he was there. So that's what we guessed. Well, well done, both of you. It is Cyprus. Very good. Okay. All right. Vexillology. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> All right, question four, dirty dancing. There are a lot of nutritional rules and guidelines we have to follow in the school nutrition world. Super Bakery is one of the companies that makes an array of breakfast foods within those rules and regulations that students love. The company's president is a graduate of Penn State where he received a bachelor's degree in food service and administration. You may be surprised to know that the president of Super Bakery is also someone who was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1990. He played in the Pro Bowl nine times and had four Super Bowl victories. I can tell you from personal experience, not only is this man immaculate, he is one hell of a dancer. So who is this incredibly nice president of Super Bakery? Reluctant. You guys are locked in. Um, so there's some clues there. And it leads me to a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, he's immaculate, so that takes you to the immaculate reception, which was Franco Harris. But she also said, very nice. So it could have been Mean Joe Green. And now I'm torn. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are all these are all real words. I swear, <laughs> you're staring at me like you like you don't agree. Um, uh, I'm staring at you like I have no idea what any of this could be. So yeah. you just I'm just gonna sit here and let you work through it. Could be Lynn Swan. I think I think he he was a he was on Dancing with the Stars. And uh I think I think I'm good with locking in with Lynn Swan and you agree? Sure. Yes. Ah yes. <laughs> We're locked in. So I, I made a little bit of a mistake. So I just put Terry Bradshaw because of the four Super Bowl rings, and I mentioned him earlier. Uh, and he's you know known as being at least to some people known as being nice. But when you said Franco Harris, I forgot he was a Steeler, and I know he was on Dancing with the Stars. Mm -hmm. So we went Bradshaw, but it very well very well might be Franco Harris. So I think we're getting a couple of questions mixed up because Dancing with the Stars was not mentioned in this question at all, but. The immaculate man himself is Franco Harris. Mm. And uh, he goes to all these food conferences that I go to, and we have danced several times together. And in person, he is ridiculously nice. He is such a nice guy. There you go. That's awesome. Yep. So shout out to Mr. Harris there. So his good dancing ability not related to Dancing with the Stars people. <laughs> All right, question five. So this question five is not necessarily a listener um, submitted question, but it is a listener supported because I would love to shout out my grandparents, our grandparents, Christina and I's, uh, Bob and Kathy, because they listened the last time Christina and I were on and were just really supportive and super wonderful about the whole thing. So shout out to them because with them, I would not have a love for Sinatra as I do. And that's what inspired me to this question. And this question is titled, A Foggy Day in London Town. 
So I love Sinatra and I love caffeine. So naturally, a London Fog is my go-to drink when I'm not in the mood for coffee. A London Fog is a drink comprised of steamed milk, vanilla syrup, and this tea said to be named after the British Prime Minister of the 1830s. We can lock in that. <laughs> can we? I mean, he works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, we right. We don't serve right. those at the conglomerate, actually. Uh, we call them a, how- a Howie drink. <laughs> you're, you're locked in. Yeah. Uh, I believe a London Fog. I think we made them when I was working with you, Matt. We did. Earl Grey. I, I believe I trained Neil in the way. I think of, you did, actually. Of the, of the early Grey. <laughs> Honestly, and 100%. Yes, we said Earl Grey. And same. Yeah. Earl Grey. Very good. It is Earl Grey, and I love those drinks. I remember that because we have a lot of varied opinions Mm -hmm. on that drink. And shout out to Bob and Kathy. Thank you. Hopefully, you're still listening after all the cornhole cornhole jokes. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Apologize to your grandparents. You don't need to. They're no, yeah. Bob and Kathy might be the greatest grandparent names of all time. (laughs) They're probably the greatest grandparents of all time. Period. In the grandparents, they're the funniest people I think I've ever met. Next episode, Bob and Kathy special (laughs) guests. Yeah, no, I mean, our last um, episode that we were on was titled Madonna's Sex Book, and I had to send oh, it yeah. to my friends and family. <laughs> That's right. And I had a friend Whoops. reach out like, can I listen to this with my kids? It's like, absolutely. What makes you? She's like, oh, okay. And then I Just wait till it. you see what this was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bob and Kath, they sent us this podcast that their daughters were on, and it, had, it was called Madonna's Sex Book. <laughs> I love that you called her cat as well. That's what my yeah. grandfather calls her. Figured, hey, cat. I figured, figured as much, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, question six Food potpourri. Potpourri was created in the 12th century to freshen the smell of rooms and castles. It's kind of ironic since the word potpourri translates from French to English as putrid pot. Potpourri is fairly easy to make and can be done on any stovetop using a pot of water and your favorite smelling items boiling inside. Typically, stovetop potpourri is made with oranges, cranberries, rosemary, and this spice that Roman Emperor Nero burned as a sign of remorse for murdering his own wife. All right, we're, we'll, we'll go ahead and lock in. Um, I have two thoughts, Matt. I don't know. What, what are you thinking? Um, my first thought was sage. Um, I think it's a nice smelling item, and I would want that in my potpourri. Um, <laughs> our mother actually always used to have potpourri around the house, and it always had cinnamon sticks in it, mm-hmm. and it always smelled a little bit like clove. Okay. Uh, so cinnamon and clove are the two that stuck out for me. I almost want to go with, just because the cinnamon sticks were always in there, I want to go with cinnamon. I didn't know you could just throw anything you want in a pot and make potpourri. That's like really fascinating to me now. Sometimes make uh, oh, yeah. potpourri with noodles. <laughs> you, you make a lot of potpourri with noodles. <laughs> then you can eat them after. <laughs> uh, we said cinnamon as well. Yep. Cinnamon is right. Very good. I like cinnamon. I love cinnamon stuff. It's a nice stuff. smell. Yeah. Jeff, uh, what does that bring our scores to? Uh, I know we're after six here, but it's a little extra oh, fun. He, dro- he dropped the ball. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Nobody even noticed. He just thought he was going to get away with it. Oh, no. no. It's just, I'm always watching. It's not even that. We just we just went right past it, guys. All right. So what's the scores? All right. So our, our scores after six today uh, are as follows. We uh, we have a tighter game than we had before. Nope. I lied. It's the exact same, same gap. <laughs> <laughs> scars, guard, guard, scars, 135. And uh, Miss Gibbs quips, 145 for the lead. All right. Okay. 
Question seven, food and music. And don't worry, it's not a Bowling for Soup question. <laughs> what song is ranked as number one on Loudwire's list of the best hard rock songs of the 21st century? The single was released in August of 2001 and was originally titled Suicide, which was taken from lyrics around a self-righteous suicide. However, Columbia Records asked the band to change the name due to its sensitive nature. And therefore, they came up with this title as a play on the word suicide. All right. We're locked, locked in. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah. I, I think it might be a system of a down song. They say. Oh, yeah. That my self-righteous. Which I believe is Ariel's is the is that song. Or is it okay. Toxicity? Oh, I think it's Toxicity. Or Chop Suey. Or oh. Deer Dance. Or how many more can I name? No, those are <laughs> the singles. Bounce. Uh, let's go. <laughs> Shimmy. Buckle, 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 buckle. It's food and music. Let's go Chop Suey. Yeah, we're going to go Chop Suey. I'm glad you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> Put on a little makeup. My keys are on the table right now. <laughs> they uh, are we also said Chop Suey. Very good. It is Chop Suey. Well done. I'm picking up on that clue, Chris, of uh, food and music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Didn't even get it. Right, the food. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, question eight. On Fridays, we don't eat meat. On Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and all Fridays during Lent, Catholics over the age of 14 abstain from eating lamb, poultry, beef, pork, deer, and most other meats. It is during this season of Lent that sales of this delicacy go on the rise because the Catholic Church does not consider this to be a meat nor a fish. What is this Lent-friendly food? Yeah, so I'm not quite sure how to get to the answer here, but we have a guess. So if it's not considered a meat or a fish, I would assume it'd be like a shellfish. She did say delicacy, so I didn't know maybe lobster. What if what if it's tuna? Um people seem to eat a lot of tuna. It's chicken of the sea. It is a it is a delicacy, maybe. Of the sea, would you call tuna delicacy? <laughs> if you're a canned tuna, not canned tuna, but I've definitely had tuna that was a good. I was just leaning at one of like a shellfish, like shrimp or. Oh yeah, let's go shrimp. I like you I like go shrimp. shrimp. I remember eating shrimp during Lent. All right, I was kind of in that uh, shellfishy sort of area too, but we went with clam. Well, no points on this one. The delicacy that goes on the rise during Lent is snails. Mm. Ah, escargot. Question nine, school lunch president. We didn't always have school meals and there was a lot of food insecurity for families and children prior to the National School Lunch Act. The National School Lunch Act was created when a number of soldiers, soldiers in World War II were considered not fit for duty due to malnourishment. Which president signed and authorized the National School Lunch Act as quoted a measure of national security. He signed this on June 4th, 1946. All right, we're locked in. Is it FDR? That sounds right. He was president during, or right after World War II, right? He, gosh, I should know this better. I'm... Oh, yeah, me too. But you know what? I don't. It's a problem. 1946, I want to go, I don't know. My gut says FDR. Okay. But if you have a different feeling, for sure. I do not. So okay. I think FDR is a great answer. 
Uh, FDR died in office just about at the end of World War II, a little bit before it ended, uh, and then Truman took over. So I was going to say Truman. Yep. Well done, Ken. This is Truman. FDR died in 1945. So mm -hmm. uh, Harry, the S stands for S Truman mm -hmm. for school lunches. That's right. <laughs> Harry school lunch Truman. That's right. That's what they all called them. All right. Final question around two. Question 10. Stolen goods. Food is stolen for a number of reasons, but there is one item in particular that is stolen worldwide more than any other. From intricate heists to simply walking out the front door of a store, it is reported that roughly 508 million pounds are stolen annually. Across the world, you can find over 1,800 different varieties, and it is usually fairly expensive, hence the amount that is stolen. The average per capita consumption of this item in the United States is about 40 pounds a year. While that might seem like a lot, the average Czech citizen eats about 140 pounds a year. What product is the most stolen food in the world? All right, we're going to go ahead and lock in with a guess here, but we're not quite sure. I was I, My original thought was gum or... So I, I don't... But now I don't Does know. Eat that? Well... People steal it. I'm thinking of things that people steal. It's just not that heavy, though, either. To yeah, for poundage. 140 pounds. I'm trying to think. In I've been to Czech I've been to Czechia, and I'm trying to think of what everybody was just carrying around with them. What if it's <laughs> uh, a beer 24/7? Yeah, beer. Yes. What if it's potatoes? I was gonna say potatoes. When I think of being in the Czech Republic, it's all beer and, and dumplings, potatoes, and dumplings and potatoes and cheese, and I'm good yeah. with potatoes. Okay. We're going to lock in with potatoes. Yeah, my afterthought answer was potato, but we locked in with chocolate. I think I eat 40 pounds of cheese a year. Yeah, uh, both are good guesses, but it is cheese. It's uh. cheese, Neil. <laughs> I was I was right. I, I can't believe it. You were right. Because I was imagining uh, an Ocean's Eleven type heist where they get a giant fromage. You know, from a brick of fromage <laughs> in their duffel bags. All right, and uh, the scores have all tied up. 165 for each team. Uh, I know Ken, I'm contractually obligated to say those names, so that would be 165 for Scars, Guard, Guard, Scars, and 165 for Miss Gibbs, Quips. Thank you. And what are our final round categories? All right, your categories are number one, food in movies. Number two, food science. Number three, food in sports. Number four, food in Japan. Number five, sounds like food in history. All right, and the wagers are now locked in. Um, quick word about Patreon really quick before we move on to the questions. Um, you know, give us money. And, <laughs> and back to the get game. Get some prizes. And back to the game. <laughs> they're not prizes, they're rewards. Get some rewards. We're not allowed to call well, them not prizes. prizes. <laughs> not prizes. Patreon, if you're listening, not prizes. <laughs> rewards. Yes, uh, yeah. join Christina and Lauren over at Patreon if you'd like to uh, get a bunch of bonus audio content. Uh, last... Some of it's good, some of it's okay, some of it's <laughs> sexy. So Yeah, and as Jeff mentioned uh, on a previous episode, we've had, what, over 30, 40 hours or so of uh, yeah, more than, content? Yeah, more than 40 uh, patron-exclusive episodes to accompany our more than Ooh. 350 regular bonus and... Uh, regular games so nice yeah so join join them and uh everyone else who's uh, helping support the show over at patreon.com slash triviality podcast stats all right let's get the questions all right number one in food and movies 
Food often plays a role in movies and can leave us wanting to eat what we are watching on screen. Some examples for me are the melting ice cream that Dr. Sattler is eating in Jurassic Park, the imaginary feast in Hook, the frozen hot chocolate in Serendipity, and that damn chocolate cake in Matilda. There is one sandwich in particular that not only caught my attention, but the attention of so many others it has gained the nickname the world's greatest sandwich. It's a cross between a BLT, a grilled cheese, and a breakfast sandwich. It was created by Chef Thomas Keller for which 2004 romantic comedy? Number two, food science. Advances in food science have led to plenty of plant-based meat substitutes, and now scientists are taking it a step further. Scientists have found a way to take a biopsy of an animal and then grow cells from that sample on a growth media made of sugars, amino acids, vitamins, and minerals. Growing meat this way does not require any land, water, nor antibiotics to raise the meat. With the positive implications this could have for the growing population of our planet, it's no wonder that Bill Gates, Richard Branson, and major meat manufacturers such as Tyson and Cargill have all invested heavily in this science. What is the name that has been given to this meat? I will take the name given by the public or the name that they are trying to market it as. Number three, food and sports. The MLE is the major league eating organization that oversees all professional eating contests. The MLE sanctions over 70 contests a year with its most notable one being the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Stars such as Joey Chestnut, Mickey Sudo, and Takuro Kobayashi have all savored their title as winner of the contest, and with it, they have claimed the coveted bejeweled belt. Mickey Sudo has won the pink version of this belt, but what is the name of the belt that has been won by Joey Chestnut 14 times? If you have seen this belt before, the name shouldn't surprise you. Number four, food in Japan. Imitation crab meat is often used in crab salad, crab dip, and crab rangoon, however, it doesn't contain any actual crab. Imitation crab meat is mainly made of fish, typically pollock, and it is finely shredded and pulverized, then heated and pressed into shapes that resemble meat from a crab leg. This mixture gets its name from the Japanese word for ground meat. What is this pulverized fish mixture called? And number five, sounds like food in history. In the 1920s, most African-Americans were denied entry into aviation programs. There was one man who had such an interest in being a pilot that he built an airplane powered by a motorcycle engine and then taught himself how to fly. He went on to establish the first African-American owned and certified flight school located in Harlem Airport in Oaklawn, Illinois. This is where many of the Tuskegee Airmen got their initial training. He continued to fly until he was 89 and passed away two years after giving up his love of flying in Chicago, Illinois. Who is this man that was the first African-American to become a certified aircraft mechanic in the United States, the first African-American to establish an aeronautical school in the United States, and the first black member of the Civil Air Patrol?
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, and all the answers are in. Let's uh, get the answers, see how we did. All right, number one in food in movies. Which sandwich known as the world's greatest sandwich being a cross between a BLT, a grilled cheese, and a breakfast sandwich that was created by Chef Thomas Keller for which 2004 romantic comedy? We wagered 30 on this one, and I believe that is Adam Sandler in Spanglish. Uh, we wagered 30 and also said Spanglish. Well done. It's Spanglish. Very good. Number two, in food science, what meat can you take a sample from an actual animal, take that biopsy, grow it on a growth medium, and has been heavily invested by a lot of famous people and companies? There are two names this meat is currently going by, one given by the public and one that the name is being marketed as, and I will take either name. Yeah, for uh, 30 points, I've always heard this uh, being referred to as lab-grown. Uh, we wagered 30, and we were not sure. We just know that this is a type of fake meat, and we said impossible. Ken's got it. It is absolutely known as lab-grown meat. That's the name generally given by the public, and they are trying to market it as clean meat. Oh, uh, no one's going to call it that. Nobody's <laughs> going to call it that. It's 100% lab-grown meat. All right, number three, food and sports. What is the name of the belt won by Joey Chestnut 14 times at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? Uh, We wagered a measly 10 on this one, and we didn't know, so we just thought maybe it was made of sausage links and called it the link belt. Uh, We wagered 30. Uh, It's a big old yellow belt, so I believe it's the mustard belt. It is the mustard belt. 
Very good. Number four, food in Japan. What is the name of the pulverized fish mixture found in imitation crab meat? It comes from a Japanese word. When translated into English, that means ground meat. Uh, we had no idea. I know meat in Japanese is niku. I think the word for like to grind or crush something starts with the S-A sound. So we just said saniku, though. I don't recognize that. So. Um, I was really unsure as well. We wagered 30 and I know that when you get these dumplings with like mixed fish in it, it's called shumai. So we just said shumai. This was a tough one. This is serimi. And five sounds like food in history. This man is amazing. I just cannot believe that he built his own airplane, airplane, used a motorcycle engine and then taught himself how to fly. So who is this first man that was the first African-American to become a certified aircraft mechanic, to establish an aeronautical school in the United States, and the first black member of the Civil Air Patrol? Uh, happy to learn about this, but unfortunately we had no real uh, good guess. We wagered 30 on it, but we just tried to um, pick a name that contained a food, and we wanted to honor Neil, so we said Fisher. Yeah, we are in the same boat, uh, you know, not being too far from Oakland and living in Chicago. We probably should know more about this, but we went with a lucky berry, hopefully. And no points to either team, but this guy is absolutely amazing, and I highly recommend that anybody research more about him. His name is Cornelius Coffey. Oh, uh, great name. Yeah, we and should shout out to... Uh, Oops, sorry, to Trivial Warfare, because that's where I first learned about him. And then I did my own research about him and was just fascinated. He's really or was really amazing. All right. It was a very close game. Uh, no one raised their scores, but one team did emerge on top. And that would be Scars Guards Guard Scars. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> With 155 <laughs> points, narrowly uh, behind them, losing an additional uh, 20, was Miss Gibbs Quips. It was a good, a valiant what's our, effort. What's the catchphrase? Wah, wah. What, what catchphrase? <laughs> the thing that we do every episode. Oh, I don't know. Somebody, Somebody was named. Somebody has to be something. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs> So we're, the t we're today's cream of the crop, apparently. Yeah. We'll say it to ourselves. We must the crap. <laughs> Great game, uh, Matt and Christina. That, you guys were wonderful competitors because we were behind you the entire time, but uh, came down to the final. Can we finally... We're triumphant. Yeah. After wagering. So and you were, in fact, one the back. cream of the crop. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Too late, Jeff. Way we don't want to hear it now. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, Get out of here. Christina, uh, going along with your team name, uh, Mrs. Gibbs Quips, uh, do you want to let people know uh, maybe if they want to come check you out, like where they can find this show and anything else you'd like to uh, say? Uh, the stage is yours. Sure. Um, if you're in New York City, uh, we'll be playing three shows, I believe, for our town. Uh, the director is going to be doing a really interesting twist and a modern twist on it. It should be really great. That would be June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. It's at Lee Strasberg uh, Theater and Film Institute uh, in Manhattan. So I think we might be uh, streaming it virtually as well. So if you just want to watch it live, you can do that too. I'm not entirely sure about that. So I might be jumping the gun on that, but awesome. just in case. And then I'll, I'll you know, plug my... Um, the organization that I work for, IR Lab. I plugged them last time. I really believe in what we do. We're, uh, you know, really dedicated to a lot of different things in the archaeological field. Uh, you can go ahead and get a give us 
uh, ch check out or check us out <laughs> at irlabnp.org. If you just want to see what we do, we also do accept donations. Everything goes directly back to all of the sites that we do and the staffing and all towards the research and the project. And it is all tax deductible as well. So check us out. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, Lauren, thank you so much for putting together a game uh, this week. Uh, we appreciate it. And also for all the, the great work you do with food, it was nice to see the game themed around food and the importance of uh, everyone having uh, access to food and healthy food at that. So uh, any uh, final statements, shout outs, anything from you? I would love to thank uh, the grand play tester himself, Louie. He was amazing. And I was very nervous about well, the entire thing, but my final questions and Louie really helped guide me there. So appreciate it, Louie. Thank you very much. And shout out to my amazing family as always, Kyle, Olive, and Cal. I love you guys all the days. Cute. Well, thank you so much to both of you. Uh, our uh, two-time appearing sister act. Uh, this was sister act two. Uh, what do we call it? The uh, the reversal? Yeah. Something like that. If you guys get another sister, let us know. We'll get you back on. Yeah, well, we, need, we need we need <laughs> Okay. Next time we need Bob and oh, Kath, oh, to, Bob host and a Kath game, yeah. to host a game for uh, you to play. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for your support and to everyone else who supports us uh, over on Patreon or just listens every week. We appreciate it for Matt, Ken, Jeff, Lauren. Make, make Jeff sad. Christina, make Jeff sad. Uh, and Neil, my name is Neil. Triviality. Triviality. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. <laughs>